Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection. <laughs> and inevitably, you just can't stand that book that she recommended. That's us. Oh, yeah. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. Okay. Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have mm -hmm. picked up on her own. There's a lot of extra emphasis on never this time. There was. Really? Okay, we can't even start yet. Nope. Even if a book that isn't entirely your style, um, even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I got you all worked up, did I? You did, you yes. Even, you couldn't I guess even we'll say see. It. Okay, I got to do the spoilers thing yeah. because this... apparently we're going to jump right in. <laughs> uh, now it's time for us to warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book, including the ending and any magical twists. If you haven't read today's selection, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and don't want us to spoil anything for you, please stop listening now and join us after you've read it. I'm not going to say you didn't decide to read it because it was a great book. Why would anyone decide not to read it? Christine, what? Do I need to start? No. Should we just stop the podcast here where I can live in a magical land and assume that you enjoyed it like every other incredible person who've read this book did? Okay, so apparently I do have a poker face because I really liked it. <gasps> I'm so happy right now. Okay, and I, I purposefully did not squee because the pitch gets too loud uh -huh. and I don't want to scare people off. Uh -huh. <gasps> oh, I knew I'd win this podcast you someday did a good and the job. day came. I would like to thank... Um, oh, stop. My producer. The music's on. I'd You're like being to shuffled thank off the stage. all of my fellow librarians out there. <laughs> the tears. The mascara's running. It's amazing. It finally happened. No, I've liked other books before. Yeah, but not like I had to work you into it. Like, it was a lot of effort to, like, I had to massage the content. And you were My like, brain. Oh, okay, I kind of get it. Maybe I can like it someday no, when I read it. There was nothing weird about this one. I mean, no. it, it had, like... So go ahead and tell us, give us a summary. Oh, okay. So this book is about uh, a woman named Nora Seed. Um, for the majority of the book, she's about 35 years old. And when you start off, she's really kind of sad, mm -hmm. uh, depressed. She just got fired. She doesn't have any strong long-term relationships. Her cat just died. Um, and she makes a choice that she is just done. Mm -hmm. And she is going to take some pills. And she is, she is done. She does not want yep. to live this life anymore. And so she does that, mm -hmm. and she ends up in this place called the Midnight Library, which is uh, an endless space full of books. And every book that you pick off is a different decision you could have made in your life or a different pathway off a tree. And you can go and step into that life. You still remember, mm -hmm. like, all, all your the background stuff, but you can step into this different alternative reality. And then you can go back after time and pick a different book out and try on a different life and see which one fits you. So the book is really about... Uh, the possibilities of life mm -hmm. and regret and how you learn to live with regret. And it's definitely got a pretty strong mental health overlay to it. Mm -hmm. And before we really get very far into this, I want to make sure that we say um, if anyone out there is having suicidal thoughts or needs some assistance, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 
800-273-8255. Please do call. There are many wonderful people on the line that are happy to talk with you and just discuss why life is worth living. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's really what this book is about, that mm -hmm. life, your life, is worth living. So it's got a... As much as I kind of nagged on you at the start about not liking this book, even though you really <laughs> didn't, that's wonderful. <clears throat> there were a lot of different feelings and opinions about this book when it came out. Um, some people were incredibly unhappy that uh, it felt like um, like a self-help book hmm. because the statements were so blunt when mm -hmm. they were put out there. Like, you, the only way you learn is to live. Right. Like that, and that was reiterated a couple yeah. times in yeah. there. Yeah, that's and a that mantra. Your life is a life worth living. Mm -hmm. And so some people read it and they said it was just too, it was too self-helpy. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't um, woven into the storyline as easily it could be. Mm -hmm. And some people really didn't like the the mental health aspects of this. The book came out in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, right at the, the height of the pandemic. Right. And people were already feeling that vibe. Like yeah. they didn't need any more of this message. Yeah. Whereas for some people it resonated incredibly strongly. Yeah. So. <gasps> Tell me about how much you liked it. <laughs> Tell me more. I'm very excited about this podcast now. It looks like you've settled in for a long explanation of all the things I like. I would like a cup of hot cocoa. <laughs> Warm and fuzzy. I'm going to put like a lap rug on. <laughs> I'm going to just really sit in on this one, yeah. <laughs> well, I love the idea of um, that regret is really perspective. Um, oh, yeah. And that was not that was not a mantra. Like you had to work to get there. Yeah. Um, and well, first of all, I love the fact that the librarian is God. <laughs> I mean, that's just awesome. And so when you enter the Midnight Library, which depending on how you read it, maybe it could be purgatory. Like if, mm -hmm. if you are of a religious inclination, it's that place between. Mm -hmm. um, if you're reading into the text of what he wrote, he's talking about parallel universes. And so this is a way that your brain is trying to find a rhythm between them. And for our protagonist, Nora, it's Mrs. Elm, who uh -huh. was her, her high school librarian, right. who was both kind but stern mm -hmm. and helped guide her towards the right books in this mm -hmm. library. Yeah, I like that. And too. she was smart, and she was one of the adults that just kind of had her back and yeah. was um, dependable, yes. I think. And so so she ends up being her god person yeah. in, in the book, which I think is charming. Yeah. And as a librarian, I choose to believe that that is accurate. <laughs> um, but I, I liked the whole thing about she has this at the beginning, she has this huge book of regrets and it's yeah. like overpowering. And when she opens it, it makes her, it hurts her. Like she's yeah. physically tired and pained yeah. by all of the regrets. And as she goes back and kind of reviews her life and one of the vignettes mm -hmm. is um, when her cat dies. Yeah, and I thought... I thought this was a fabulous, um, a really great way to show that we often only look through our own lens and we don't consider that we are not the center of the universe. Yep. And so in this vignette, her cat dies and, and he he's found um, at the side of the road. And so the person who finds him assumes that he's been struck by a car. Mm -hmm. And so she beats herself up about how she's a terrible cat owner. And so that's added to the list of things like, I can't even take care of a cat. I, yeah. I love this poor cat. And, you know, he's in my care and he dies. Yep. Well, really what happened was he knew he was going to die. And like animals do, he went He was looking for away. a space to be alone. Yeah. yeah. And so he was going to die anyway. So it had nothing to do with her. Yeah. And I think we get so wrapped up, we as humans get so wrapped up in what could I have done differently or why did this happen to me? It didn't happen to you. It just happened. Yeah. You were in this space 
other actions took place. Yep. And we can internalize those things however we want because we are the center of our own universe. It would be incredibly odd if we didn't come at things from a at least a partial self-perspective. Right. But so many of the different vignettes, and that's a great way to frame it, that every book she pulls off the shelf where it's a different decision or mm -hmm. a different thing that happens in the universe, um, it has these it has this rash of unintended consequences right. and things that you like if i'm sitting in my own head and i've got a regret about something i'm only going to think about you know the grass being greener right. i'm not going to think about like wow all these other weird nasty things have happened like the the i think it was either the first or the second one where she says well what would happen if i would have stayed with this boyfriend that i was with for a long time damn right and the story plays out and they get married and they move away and then he cheats on her Right. And like that is usually not the way that in your head you're going to be like, you know, I'm really sad about this thing and I wish I had done X right. because then everything would be perfect. Right. And many of the vignettes play out either in a more negative aspect mm -hmm. or they feed into things that are already happening in the core life that she has. Like there's one vignette when she was younger, she wanted to be an Olympic athlete. She wanted to be a, a swimmer. swimmer. Yeah. And she thought, okay, well, what if I really dedicate myself to that? What if instead of joining the band and moving on and making music a, a baseline of my life, what if instead I really concentrate on this athletic prowess that I had as a teen? Right. And it just intensifies the mental health issues that she has in her core life that cause her to OD. Right. Yeah. And her whole point in that was I would be closer to my dad. So yeah. I would win my finally win my dad's approval. Well, guess what? She doesn't. No. So even though it's it really it's I think it's a nice um, way to illustrate that the things that you think you can control, you really can't. Yeah. And your dad is going to be your dad no matter what yeah. you do. And um, this book was like a little piece of therapy. Yeah. You know, and and not like an and therapy is great. Like if, if no one if, if you're worried about therapy or you think about trying, it can be a really nice place to just talk things out and have an impartial person listen to you. Right. It's lovely. Um, but one of the main things in therapy is, like, you can change you. Right. You, you can't change other people. Right. And that is what this book really illustrates, that if you are going to make choices based off of past regrets, that that's fine. You can make choices, but you can't make assumptions right. that people are going to act differently around you or that they're going to make different choices because you made a choice that's better for yourself. Right. Yeah, and I like we didn't really talk about the author at the beginning of this, mm. but I mm -hmm. I have to apologize. He's another British man. <laughs> I just can't help myself apparently. I I have an author type. My author type is British gentleman. Um uh, so he was, you know, he's born in the mid 70s mm -hmm. and he grew up in Sheffield. Mm -hmm. Don't know where that is, but I thought it was a pretty name for a place. <laughs> and um, he has self-identified through many interviews over the years as having some mental health mm -hmm. struggles, that he struggled with anxiety, that he um, has has gone through a breakdown, and that he often uses his writing process and his collected works as a way to work through those problems, mm -hmm. to, to put it all on paper and to be able to reflect back on it afterwards. So I think that a book like this is really touching in that way that uh, authors are always opening themselves up like mm -hmm. everything that they write is a little piece of themselves that they have given to the world right but for a book like this where you know that this is 
this is a tiny core component of someone's self that they have given to you so that you can read it and hopefully learn from what they've learned from and take that and build a little bit better tomorrow for yourself. I love that. I love yeah. that people are willing to do that. Yeah. It's I, very brave to put them to put yourself out like that mm -hmm. um, for the world to critique and and criticize yeah like we're doing so he i have read two others of his books um he's written adult materials and children's materials fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. and i the uh, the last book that i read by him after i read the midnight library was a book called the alien mm -hmm. or the aliens i can't remember if it was plural or not and oh you would not like that one. <laughs> that, that one i don't think i could convince you on but it was it was another fascinating little read and it's about an alien Surprise from the that title. That is a surprise. Who comes to Earth and um, takes over the identity of this college professor. Mm -hmm. And the professor was a professor of mathematics, and he was stumbling upon this mathematical theory that was going to, like, upset the universe. Hmm. And so he takes over this life. And so part of the novel is about, like, all of that kind of big picture stuff. Mm -hmm. And part of the novel is, like, the minutia of, okay, I'm in a human apartment now. <laughs> Who is this lady in the apartment right. with me? What is a dishwasher? Right. How do humans talk to each other? That person smells funny. Do I tell them? Right. Like, it was all those weird, like, interpersonal, tiny, intimate, dynamic moments. So the book itself was, was interesting. Um, but it was that interplay of the big and the small. Mm -hmm. And I think he repeats that in this book as well. Because Absolutely. Because the small is, is her. It's her right. life. It's her stories. But the big is the kind of the big question of why and what if and how. Yeah. And, and even I would even go a little further and say that um, – she does that when she's plopped into a different version of her life because she's like, okay, so in this version, do I know this person? And yes. have we met yet? And, you know, does he like me? And so <laughs> she's constantly trying to figure out, oh, I guess with um, the the very first one where she's plopped in um, with her now husband, yeah. who was her then boyfriend, and he says, oh, I saw you talking with um, Ellen, Eileen. It was lady, a lady. Um and she's like, oh, yeah, everything was fine. Well, that was the woman that he had cheated on her with. So he was like, really? And she's like, okay, wait, back up. Not the right response here. So she has to kind of negotiate all those things in the dark because yeah. she has some knowledge, but she doesn't know where we are in the story. Yes. I think one of the vignettes that I had the, the hardest time with, not because it was poorly written or it wasn't well plotted out, uh, but just because it made me sad mm. was the storyline about her friend Izzy. Yeah. So um, in her core life, in her main life, um, Nora has really drifted away from most of her adult relationships. She's not in a romantic relationship. She doesn't really have any close friends. And her, her best friend moved away. Right. And she's to Australia. Not, to Australia. And she's not close with him anymore. And so in one of these lives, she picks up a book that says, well, what if I moved with her to Australia? What if Izzy and I both went? Mm -hmm. And at first, it seems great. Like, it's beautiful. There's the ocean. She's in this cool little apartment. And then she realizes that her friend passed away in a car accident. Yeah. And she's stuck in this country that she doesn't know with people that she doesn't connect with. And this overwhelming grief that she has to process now because in her core life, she assumed her friend wasn't dead. Like, she's right. fine. She's posting things online. Right. And now it's this whole other layer of, wow, like, that's horrifying that yeah you you think you're going to step into something better yeah because regret is only something you look back on <laughs> right. you don't look forward to it right and instead she got this kind of really bum deal yeah and i think i think 
one of the beautiful parts of that is that throughout the rest of the book, every single version of her life that she selects, she has this profound relief that, oh, God, at least Izzy's still alive. And so even if she's not close with her, she's just happy that Izzy's still in the world. And I think that's a very selfless, lovely, like, I don't even have to have her. I just have to know that she still exists. And that's really true friendship. One of the... So this book wasn't really humorous. There wasn't a lot of, like, ha-ha chuckles in it. Right. But one of the things that I liked that I took a little humor out of was um, she was various ages Uh as she stepped into these lives. Right. So in some lives, she was much younger. And she would step in and she'd go, like, well, hello. (laughs) That's my thighs are toned and my biceps are looking good. My hair is shiny. Right. And then there was one life she stepped into and she was more haggard senior (laughs) citizen in that one. And she was like, Oh, no, this is not. I am less than thrilled with this particular version of myself. And like she wasn't laughing about it in the story. But I was like, oh, yeah, I can I can totally see that. It's like when you look back on pictures of yourself from 20 years ago and you go, wow, who made that decision for my hair? Yeah, I didn't over and over again was how that looked. But good job me for pulling it off. So it feeds into one of my favorite quotes. I I did think this was very well written. And one of my favorite quotes was, since when did taste have anything to do with happiness? (laughs) And I feel like that could just sum me up. (laughs) My taste in fashion, not reflective of my happiness. (laughs) You have a sense of style. Hmm. It is your own sense of style. Hmm. And if it makes you happy, that's all that matters. My cousin used to tell me, and I think it's completely accurate, that I'm on the cutting rear end of fashion, (laughs) cutting rear edge of fashion. At least I'm on an edge. You're peripherally aware of the process that goes into it. (laughs) Well, the author here, he, so he, um, he's written a lot of novels over the years, and some of them are fiction that are really fed into it from his personal life. He has two nonfiction books he's put out as well. One after, I believe, the passing of his father. And his latest book is called The Comfort Book. Hmm. And it came out in 2021. And it's a compilation of notes and thoughts and short pieces that are really just supposed to give people a little bit of love um, because of the pandemic, right? And I was reading up on him and there were two things that I thought really connected with this. So the first was about libraries. So this is a quote from him. Libraries are one of the last public spaces that like us for who we are and not for our wallets. (laughs) Libraries seem the perfect metaphor for parallel lives as they are places that really do allow you to enter other worlds, if only for a little while. Yeah. Okay. Library lover out there. We like that. Yep. And then he also wrote, I used to write in my shed. (laughs) I thought it was what a writer should do. Have a special writing place. Now, alas, I just write on the sofa. So for all the people that are working from home still. In their sheds. In, or in your shed or on a sofa. That's for you. That was kind of fun. Um, I wondered how you thought about So he is a, a male writer mm-hmm. and the protagonist of this book is female. Mm-hmm. What would you think of that? That's very interesting that you ask me because I've been thinking a lot about the whole idea of um, can you step into somebody else's shoes and mm-hmm. are you kind of taking their – uh, yeah, are you taking license with someone else's life? Or, yeah. yeah. And I think I think that is what um, art is, mm-hmm. is that the ability to, or the wish, mm-hmm. whether or not you actually pull it off, but the wish to see things through another lens or to show 
other people things through a different lens. I thought he was very successful. Um, I didn't have any problem at all with it. And I wondered, would I feel the same way if he was trying to um, do it with a different culture? Was it mm-hmm. only gender? Like, I don't know. I don't know. What, what about you? I thought he did a really nice job. Mm-hmm. So when I was poking around online, there were a couple comments because most of his other books are from a, a male perspective or mm-hmm. from his own perspective. And there was nothing in here that felt disin- disingenuous to me yeah. or uh, in poor taste or anything like that. I thought he did a really nice job. There are definitely some examples out there of people who have tried to write from a perspective of the other gender or from a different culture and have not been successful. Absolutely. Or have been accused of appropriation or right. things like that. But I think he did a really nice job of, you know, this book wasn't it wasn't a romance book. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a strict fantasy book. It was really speculative if, yeah. if it was any genre. Yeah. And the focus, while it was on Nora as a woman going through these things, I thought the real the real emphasis of the book was less about her mm-hmm. and more about those big life questions. Yeah. And she just happened to be the vessel that he was communicating them through. I definitely yeah. agree. I think it was about <clears throat> impact. Yeah. Like one of the things at the end of the book that you kind of see is her neighbor, Mr. Cash. No, no. I don't know his last name. Her, her next door neighbor. Oh, uh, the that she gets medication for the elderly guy. Yes, it starts with a B. Anyway, sure. um, she doesn't think that he even cares about her throughout most of the book mm-hmm. because they're just sort of they're there. They know each other by um, uh, proximity. Yeah. It's not they're not tight with each other. You but, wave at each other when yeah. you get out of your car. Yeah, yeah. But then she finds out through a, one of the pathways mm-hmm. that when she's not around. His life takes a terrible turn, as yeah. does this young boy that she is tutoring in piano. Yep. And it just makes me think about that we don't know what our impact is on people that we see kind of peripherally every day. Like maybe the fact that I say good morning to somebody every day, maybe that's the only good morning they get. Yep. You know, or maybe the fact that I look the checker in the eye and I say, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm. And I sincerely mean it. And it's not just, yep. you know, wrote that maybe that's the the best part of their day. And we, not that we are responsible for people, but that we can make their lives happier if we just take a second and are sincere about it. It's the big and the small, right? Yeah. So like, I, I was trying to think what my biggest regret was when, mm. I, was, when I was rereading wow, this book. Wow, so that's deep. <laughs> you went hard. <laughs> I was trying to embody the yeah. philosophy of the book, no, right? I don't, for you. I don't have like a whole book of regrets. I feel pretty comfortable with the choices I've made in my life. But one of the bigger regrets that I have is, um, and this is going to sound incredibly shallow, so okay. prepare yourself for that. Um, I interviewed for a job in Hawaii. Uh-huh. And I got a third round interview, and my spouse and I did a pro-con list. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of cons mm-hmm. because it cost an incredible amount of money to live in Hawaii. Right. And the one pro was like, you get to live in Hawaii. It's Hawaii. Right. And also it was a cool job. But like right. there were the cons much outweighed the pros. And right. so we made a family decision uh, to, to pull out of that process. Right. And I have always wondered like what it would have been like if right. I had followed through on that. What what would have been different? Would it have been better? Would it would the grass really be greener? And then as I was you know thinking about that, I thought, well, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know you. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be doing this amazing podcast that thousands of people listen to. Or and both of them. At, thousands of both of people rely on and depend on for all of their independent <laughs> news broadcasting. Hi, Mom. Hi, Amy. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the sad parts of regrets are things that I hope I can come back and look on and go, like, 
yeah, I'm sad about it. And it would have been fascinating to pull a book off and see. Yeah. But also, I love my life. Yeah. And there are so many good things about the life that you actually live. Yeah. Um, even if you're in a bad place or if you're in a war-torn country right now, that life is life is worth it. Yeah. There's just so much. There's just so much. Yeah. 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 So would it help if I said mahalo? No, that makes me more sad. Oh, sorry. Take it back. Mahalo. No, no, no. No. Did you, did this make you think about any of your own regrets? Well, it made me think about a decision that I look back on as potentially life-changing, but I'm happy with it. So um, <laughs> when I went to college, I, I intentionally picked a, a school that had a study abroad program yeah. because I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was something that I really wanted to do. And I was having so much fun where I was that I just chose not to do the study abroad. So I don't think of it as a regret because it was an active decision that I really weighed, you know, mm-hmm. it, I didn't just stumble into it or just by inertia make yeah. a decision. But I do wonder, like, how different my life would have been. Yeah. And I've been super lucky and been able to travel, but there's nothing like living abroad for a full semester so I yeah I can only imagine I did not I did not have that opportunity in college and you know when I was thinking about regrets so much of this book was about some of it was about the regrets that she made decisions Nora Mm -hmm. that she could impact like whether or not she pursued her swimming career whether or not she got stayed together with a, a partner a romantic partner but other regrets were things that she could not have had impact on, like the fact that her cat died right. or that her father did not treat her the way that she wanted to be treated. Right. So, like, I am sure we both have many regrets that are things that we could not have had an impact on, like right. death of family members or health issues or things like that. Right. And those ones, you know, we can be sad about. Right. And we can wish that things had gone a different way. But my personal choices were not going to impact that. Right. And so right. <clears throat> that's why my regret issue seems... <laughs> so beautiful and green and verdant and kind of shallow. <laughs> I am tickled that you liked this book and f- faintly surprised. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, I never know which way you're going to go. So, Because I'm so unpredictable. Like that is the, it. I'm fickle. You're like just the wind. Fickle. Who knows which way you're going to blow? You just never know. <laughs> um, so two quotes that I thought that just kind of jumped out at me. Um, Happy moments can turn into pain given time. I think that's kind of an interesting it's it just shows how perspective really is your gig, you know, and and no matter what's happening, it's how you perceive it and what you do with it that really impacts everything else. Um, And the other one that I thought was really just a great, concise quote is Nora was only able to think of herself in terms of the things that she wasn't, the things she hadn't been able to become. And that is really when you're struggling and so if I had a beef with the book it would be this (laughs) that I do think at one time he he was so careful I thought with the mental health issues and that she um in many of her different lives she was on medication for help um but then at the end it just seemed like she pulled herself up by your bootstraps and she's happy now she just made herself happy and I felt like that was a little bit of a um like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. It was a tidy bow ending, yeah, for sure. And I will agree with you on that, that she saw so many variations of herself. My assumption is that he healed her through the self-learning process and she was good <laughs> to go. But um, there is 
nothing to be ashamed of in needing medication to assist with mental health issues. Absolutely. So. I mean, it's like not taking um, like diabetes uh, medicine yeah. medication. So, yeah. I liked um, towards the end, there was a there was an area that was talking about regret still. And he wrote that she realized that she hadn't tried to end her life because she was miserable, but because she had managed to convince herself that there was no way out of her misery. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the book, she had found that there was a way out. Right. And that way was in in accepting and moving forward with the life that she had mm -hmm. and finding the joys that she could in that life. Yep. So. yep. Yay. Well, thank you. I do appreciate having read that book. And it was on a very long wait list. Yes. Um, we so waited a while for that one. It is worth it if you are um, considering reading that book, if we haven't already spoiled it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can still read it. There's, yeah. The prose is fantastic. The yeah. writing pace is good. It's yeah. it's just, it's a good book. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So what horrors are you going to have befall me next month? Well, you know, we're going kind of dark. <laughs> And okay. This is this is the book that I'm going to ask you to read is outside of my comfort zone. Ooh. Yes. So first of all, it's by Stephanie Meyer, who you know from Twilight, <laughs> which is so good. <laughs> okay, I was really going for fantasy, but um, oh, okay, I mean, which is not my genre, as am, you may have known. I am an adult woman. Yeah, I have read the Twilight series. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure I still own them somewhere on a bookshelf. Sure. It's been a long time Wait, on a bookshelves. On the bookshelves, many of them. <laughs> I will reread it if you need me to. Nope. I will take on that burden. Nope. I, I hear what you're asking me. It's I will make it happen. Yes. I feel like we've miscommunicated a little bit there. It um, is done. Nope. <laughs> I'm asking you to read The Chemist, which is adult fiction by Stephanie Meyer. Uh -huh. And it is realistic. And the writing is very good. And it is dark. Um, she is an operative in a... Uh, government agency that will not be named because it's so dark and powerful. And she has a very, very unsavory job. Um, okay. So it is kind of a spy thriller novel, okay. which, again, isn't my normal go-to. Yeah, yeah. But the writing was great, and it was interesting enough. And there was a lot of, like, just random humor in it that I enjoyed. Well, okay, then. Stephanie Meyer, The Chemist. I will get on that. Yes. I will also read backup documentation as required. For Not required. It's already, it's already in my mind. Thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, which it must be because we both liked it. There are <laughs> millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. Please join us next month when we will be discussing The Chemist by Stephanie Meyer. Thank you so much and keep on reading. Thank you.